0: commander theory podcast i'm nick and i'm here with my friend zach hello everyone so today we are wrapping up our series on spoilers from war of the spark we've got the last commander the last few planeswalkers and a handful of main deck cards that we're going to talk about today we're also going to be talking a bit about our overall impressions of the set now that we've seen every card what we think of it what impact overall it's going to have on commander and what it might mean for the future. But before we get started, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon page. So Commander Theory has a Patreon page, and if you like the show, if you want to support it, you can get some sweet rewards by supporting it on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see, get a shout-out in the show's credits, ask us questions that we'll answer on the air, and join our Discord server. If you're willing to give a little bit more, you can hang out with us, get one-on-one deck advice, and more. So check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base, invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content, which you get to enjoy free of charge. So do what you can to support the show, and we'll jump right into today's topic so we got to see the last legendary creature today and it is god eternal oketra she is three white white for a three six legendary zombie god with double strike whenever you cast a creature spell create a four four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance and when god eternal oketra dies or is put into exile from the battlefield you may put it into its owner's library third from the top what do you think about this card
1: so I think that there's not too many ways in mono white to build around her. You really you get like the suite of creatures that bounce either themselves or another creature when they enter. So mm-hmm. this is like Core Sky Fisher, White Mane Lion, uh, Stone Cloaker, things you'd see in like a Karometra list uh, or a Farless. Mm-hmm. But you kind of run out of stuff and build arounds after that point. So eventually you it kind of devolves into like good stuff yeah. you just kind of were playing mono white like cheap creatures like weathered wayfarer or like war priest stone stoneforge mystic. stoneforge
0: mystic fiend hunter like just stuff so, yeah mm, it's kind of sad yeah unfortunately like even though there has been, like, a white-black warrior archetype in Cons of Tarkir Draft, like, mm-hmm. all the best warrior payoffs were in black. I know. <laughs> like, you got your raiders spoils. It's so sad. Uh, and then, although there was a white-black zombie archetype in Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation, all the best zombie tribal stuff is in black. Yeah. So, there's not a lot you can do to build around these tokens. You can run like angelic chorus as a way to gain a bunch of life because they're so huge. Yeah. But there's not anything really clever you can do with them. On our Discord, we're trying to think of like anthems or something that
1: you can use with this. And I had mentioned like angel jubilation and then was like, oh, wait, no, that's non-black creature. (laughs) (laughs) So even that like trying to keep things fair doesn't even like help you that much in that case. So it's there's just so little actual build around for it but this kind of archetype though, like you actually do you want to talk about, like you made a custom commander not too long ago.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think this could be awesome if it was in teemer I think I mentioned when Kiora, Behemoth, Beckoner got spoiled that we're sort of inching towards a critical mass of cards that care about four power creatures entering the battlefield. Because you've got like teemer Ascendancy, Kiora, Elemental Bond, Gark's Pack Leader, Kavu Lair. Like there's a bunch of these effects. And actually if oketra was in like a teamer color identity then you could build a deck that's all about like running mana neutral creatures so things like Tinderwall or ornithopter and then you just kind of speed through your deck i'm going to draw a ton of cards off of all these card draw effects because like oketra would trigger make a four four every time i'm casting a creature spell and then you kind of just like storm off and then question mark how you win i guess I mean, you got to mirson and see of haste yeah true. all your four fours have haste get in with all your four fours yeah so that would be i think a much more interesting deck but as it stands i'm not super crazy about this god eternal i think that kefnet really took the cake out of the, the yeah. four god eternals this set yeah
1: and i am happy that it's not an etb trigger yeah like that that, that's, that is nice that is nice but yeah it's sad the next card so this is gideon blackblade this is a four loyalty three mana planeswalker gideon uh, one white white it has the static ability as long as it's your turn gideon blackblade is a four four human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker and also prevent all damage that would be dealt to gideon blackblade during your turn It has plus one up to one other target creature you control, gains your choice of Vigilance, Lifelink, or Indestructible until end
0: of turn, and minus six exile target non-land permanent. So it is a uh, cheap way to give stuff Indestructible, and so I think that it could earn a place in Audric Lunark Marshall, but other than that, it's kind of just a manila creature that can get attacked so (laughs) i'd say i'd say that like most decks aren't that interested in it like you're not going to easily be able to get the exiling target non-land permanent ability it takes like three turns of build up if you wanted to survive i'd say that Audric, sure otherwise i'm not crazy about him
1: no i I actually completely agree like three mana Gideon's are exciting but this didn't do really
0: much so uh we have another three mana planeswalker though do you want to read this sure simple. uh narset parter of veils is one blue blue for legendary planeswalker narset with five starting loyalty static ability each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn and then minus one look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a non-creature non-land card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order what are your thoughts on this i was really excited to see narset again
1: and I was uh, not so excited to see that she still is doing pretty unfunst. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just like another way to abuse wheel effects in multiplayer. Like you windfall and everybody cries and that is not super fun.
0: Yeah, there's a couple decks that run a ton of wheel effects like Nekusar being the main one. And if you run Narset in that deck, then everyone discards their hand and they draw one card instead of seven (laughs) even Uh. though it's like anti-synergy with nekusar like there's plenty of nekusar decks that run notion thief because it's just so powerful to like you guys can't do anything
1: yeah yeah and it's it's like this is obviously powerful card but it's uh not super fun Mm. so oh well kind of moving on to a guy who Question mark is more fun. <laughs> um, this is Sarkin the Masterless. So, a five loyalty, a five mana planeswalker, Sarkin, three red red to cast uh, with the ability whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. Plus one, until end of turn, each planeswalker you control becomes a four four red dragon creature and gains flying. Minus three, Create a 4-4 red dragon creature token with flying. This guy is interesting. Do you do you have any,
0: any ideas for this guy? I think I'd want to run him in the Ur-Dragon, maybe. He's two dragons for the price of one, and he can potentially deter attacks. Like, you are going to have a lot of dragons on the board in an Ur-Dragon list. So every time somebody attacks you, you're going to be able to deal a ton of damage. Mm-hmm. I don't think any other deck is really interested in that, though. No. The only decks that would really be interested in this are Dragon Tribal. Yeah. And it doesn't work that (laughs) well with the other Dragon Tribal effects. Mm Because, like, Laughless, Dragon Queen, the token he makes doesn't trigger it, and Sarkan doesn't trigger it. Because, like, he doesn't become a dragon until after he enters the battlefield. Kind of the same with the scion of the earth dragon like <laughs> it, he's not actually a dragon so fetching him out and dumping him in your yard doesn't do anything yeah and
1: it seems bad in super friends because
0: you just open up all of your friends to mm-hmm. spot removal that would
1: have been dead against them
0: yeah maybe in like kolagon the storm's fury oh yeah because yeah, it is cool. two dragons which means like adding to that the shared animosity effect mm-hmm. next one's
1: a little bit better. Mm.
0: This is Nicol Bolas Dragon God. Do you want to read this guy off? Sure. Blue, black, 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 red. <laughs> so, 5 <laughs> mana for a 4 loyalty legendary planeswalker, Bolas. Nicol Bolas Dragon God has all loyalty abilities of all other planeswalkers on the battlefield. And then he has three activated abilities. Plus 1, you draw a card, each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus three, destroy target creature or Planeswalker. And minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or Planeswalker loses the game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, That's a pretty brutal mana cost. Yeah. Yeah, it's a a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a whole lot lot of decks that can cast that easily. Even in like five color super friends, trying to get triple of one color is kind of difficult. Yeah, it's super difficult. But... In Super Friends, like, it is a Planeswalker clone and just, like, one ability that draws a card and one ability that kills a creature. That's kind of, like, the threshold for getting into the deck. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's fine. But I don't know if most decks, like, is Grixis Control going to want this? Grixis good stuff? Know. Yeah, I just...
1: I think that you'll just have to suffer the mana cost to play him in more
0: Super friendly decks, which I think is where most people are going to put him anyway. hmm Next one is pretty sweet. This is... One of the most commander playable Planeswalkers we've seen in the set. Yeah, Ugin the Ineffable. Six mana, all generic, for a four loyalty Planeswalker Ugin. Colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast. Plus one exile the top card of your library face down and look at it. Create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token. When that token leaves the battlefield, put the exiled card into your hand. And minus three, destroy target permanent, that's one or more colors. This guy's nuts. So if
1: you compare it to other cards that exist that are played in lots of decks, like Scour from Existence, this is just better than that. Mm -hmm. And Scour from Existence is played in a lot of decks, usually colorless, mono black, mono red decks, uh, decks that have trouble dealing with like certain permanent types. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just better for those decks so it's got a lot going on and a lot of cool power built into it and you don't really need to sacrifice that much and it really rewards the decks that needed it most like this doesn't actually help out like a mono green
0: deck as much as it helps out like a mono red deck Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool like mono black has always had a lot of trouble dealing with enchantments Mm -hmm. so it's great that not only does black get a decent answer to enchantments but a lot of mono black decks also are sacrifice decks. Mm -hmm. So being able to like also generate this sack fodder, which draws you a card whenever it dies is pretty sweet. In addition to that, it's a source of sack fodder. It's a source of card draw. It's a way to kill stuff. Also like, most decks especially like monocolor decks are going to be kind of reliant on artifacts so they can get a lot of value out of this cost reduction Mm -hmm, static ability mm -hmm. i think it's it's great and it's awesome that he's a rare yeah yeah that's actually like one of my favorite parts about him yeah i definitely want to pick up a couple of these yeah (laughs) that was the last planeswalker i wanted to touch on i think we can move on to just the the main deck cards and i'm gonna lump this next group of cards together because there's like yeah They're all pretty similar, and they all kind of go in the same deck. So these are the, like, cheap amass cards. Basically, Verena, Lich Queen, is a tribal zombie list, and she's really interested in making multiple zombie bodies early in the game. So, that when you cast her on turn four, you get as many triggers as possible. So, there's a whole bunch of very cheap amass creatures and spells that I think are probably worth running in Verena. So, there's Aven Eternal, which is two in a blue for a 2 2 flying zombie bird warrior when it enters the battlefield in mass one, Lazatep Reaver, one in a black for a 1 2 zombie beast when it enters the battlefield in mass one. Vizier of the Scorpion, two in a black for a one-one Zombie Wizard. When enters the battlefield in mass one, Zombie tokens you control have Death Touch. So all of these they come down in the very early game, and then at this point, like you're able to potentially get like four, five triggers when you play Varina on turn four, which is just really powerful. And mm-hmm. I'll admit that they're a little bit weak, but the great thing about Verena is that if you draw them in the late game, then you can just discard yeah. to her ability. <laughs> you just pitch them. Yeah and and then keep all the more powerful cards in your hand. Other mass cards that might be worth considering. There's just some spells that have like decent utility that also have a mass stapled onto them that might be worth running in Verena. cuz the tricky part about that deck is like you're so focused on the zombie tribal that you don't have a lot of room for interaction cuz yeah. you really want to consistently get her triggers but you can run things like bleeding edge which is one black black for a sorcery up to one target creature gets minus two minus two until end of turn amass two Callous dismissal one in a blue sorcery return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand amass one toll of the invasion two in a black sorcery target opponent reveals his or her hand or reveals their hand choose a non-land card from it that player discards that card and amass one so all these are just effects that are useful they can snag you a bit of tempo a bit of disruption kill a utility creature and make you a zombie at the same time and again like if these aren't useful in the late game then you just pitch them to Verena yeah i like baby man hmm
1: i like that sorcery a lot hmm <laughs> This next card is uh, one of a cycle. We're going to talk about the a few more of the cycle in this episode. It's Finale of Glory. So this is X white white sorcery. Create X 2-2 two, two white soldier creature tokens with Vigilance if X is 10 or more, also create X for four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. I know like soldiers and stuff like that, but I really wanted this to be knights. Mm-hmm. That would have been way cool. I know, <laughs> and, yeah. And we need a bunch of knight token generators.
0: Yeah, like there's nothing in the command zone that rewards soldier tokens, but we do have a knight commander. <laughs> yeah, who wants lots of knights. And knights in the past, there have been knight tokens that were two twos with vigilance. Mm-hmm. This is the, I think this is the first time we've seen soldiers at this size. Yeah, we've, this is the first 2-2 soldier with vigilance token that's ever existed mm-hmm. so it was kind of weird
1: but there's actual uh, criticisms about the card <laughs> <laughs> so basically the ratio is not super good mm-hmm. so you more games than not are not going to be casting this for 10 or more so you kind of have to disregard that text yeah there'll be games when you do it you're like white black deck or coffers and you x is 13 or something stupid and you mm-hmm. get a bunch of things you get over 60 power worth of creatures that's cool but then they're just sitting there for a turn like you might win if no one rats, that kind of stuff. And most of the time, this is just going to be like X is five or six. You get like 10 power dudes, which is like whatever. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. And it's a sorcery. So that's also fine. I think not as crazy as I think people think it is.
0: There's a lot of cards that I prefer over this. And I think there may be even a critical mass of cards that I'd rather run than this. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if you look at Conqueror's Pledge or Increasing Devotion, like, those are also sorcery speed, but they give you, like, six or five bodies just for five mana, whereas Mm -hmm. this costs you seven or eight mana to produce that many bodies. Mm -hmm. And really, if you're in a token deck, you care most about the bodies because you're running so many anthem effects and so you just want to get the most bodies on the board as possible so you can maximize the bonus you're getting from those anthems yeah
1: multiplicative
0: yeah and then also there's like instant speed cards like secure the wastes they dodge board wipes more easily you just cast them at the end of your opponent's turn attack immediately and they that also has like a more efficient body to mana cost ratio than this Mm mm-hmm So, yeah, I just just think there are better cards, and I think that, like, this is probably one of the weaker finales. The others are pretty strong, and we'll get to those in a minute.
1: Yeah, they're all, like, obviously, if you go big and do the X's 10 or more and all these, like... You do some goofy stuff and you can win the
0: game and blah, 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 that stuff. But like 12 mana is a lot of mana. And also it's worth mentioning that like white is the least capable of ramping up to that yeah. amount of mana. Like green, you've got a lot of ramp options. Red, you've got a couple ways of generating a ton of mana in one turn. Blue has like some powerful cost reduction mm-hmm. commanders and black has things like coffers or crypt gas yeah. that can really bump up its mana pretty quickly but white aside from smothering tie, which is like one set old (laughs) uh white just doesn't have any way to ramp so you're not gonna really be able to get this earlier than like the latest of the late game
1: yeah it's sad so we have another finale though we have a few of them So this is a finale of
0: Revelation. It is X blue blue for a sorcery. Draw X cards. If X is 10 or more, instead shuffle your graveyard into your library, draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Exile finale of Revelation. This is pretty solid in uh, a couple commanders. The first one that sticks out to me is Mizek's. Mizzix really likes X spells Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you can guarantee that they will hit the threshold for getting you another experience counter. And X spells are also really good at eating up her cost reduction so that you maximize the benefit from her ability. Um, So just drawing a bunch of cards, getting an experience counter uh, seems pretty good.
1: Yeah, and and you actually might hit the 10 in that deck.
0: Yeah, like if half of the the cost of that 10 is like reduced by her ability, then it only costs 7 to Yeah, and that's actually really reasonable. Yeah. Uh and then also another commander I think would be pretty good with this is Krufix, um God of Horizons. So Krufix stores up your unspent mana so you can reliably get to massive numbers. And that's exactly what this cards want you to have. You can get tons of mana and then pump it directly into this. Get a lot of value. CruFix is like impressed me. I remember seeing CruFix and
1: being like, why? Mm-hmm. And then seeing it played and be like, oh, that's so, why. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Wow. The next one is Guild Pact Informant. This is a one-one fairy rogue for two and a blue, so three mana. It has flying, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player or Planeswalker, proliferate. So, this guy um, costs, a little, you know, maybe one more than Bird, which does pretty much the exact same thing, except without hitting a Planeswalker. Um, and it's a fairy rogue, so it misses on some of the tribal that birds like. Birds like counters a lot, which mm-hmm. is a weird thing. Still, like, it could be good enough in certain decks, like a, a Traxa or a Zuri Voril, like yeah. decks that care about counters, because it's still just a small evasive body that proliferates yeah
0: i think this is still one of the better proliferate cards mm-hmm. before this set there were like four or five that you were like really happy to run and mm-hmm. then after that it dropped off oh pretty yeah steeply. oh massively um and i think that guild pact informant while being worse than Thrumming birds still makes it into like you know the top third yeah of oh yeah all proliferate cards and is probably worth running for that reason
1: So the next card, though, Command the Dreadhorde. This is a black sorcery. It costs four and two black, so six mana total. It says choose any number of target creature and or planeswalker cards in graveyards. Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total CMC of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. So uh, notable, this is anyone's graveyard, uh, and you're just reanimating a bunch of stuff.
0: One of very few cards that reanimates planeswalkers. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I kind of was expecting a little bit of Planeswalker interaction. I was expecting more than we actually ended up getting in the set. I was expecting more like this has plus two plus oh when you have a Planeswalker and we didn't get that. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot more cards that just reference Planeswalkers and I'm a lot happier about that. Do you have any like places, any tech or anything like that?
0: Yeah, so I've heard people talking about using this in Aloro and like Karlov and just other decks that are really good at gaining life. That would subsidize the life payment pretty well. Yeah. It could also be good in decks with really low curves. If you're getting more cards for the life you're paying, maybe you're running like a, a Shadowborn Apostle deck. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty interesting that it deals damage to you rather than making you lose life. It's like. Part of that experiment they've been doing mm-hmm. since, like, Skeleton Archer and, like, Slimefoot. I think yeah. it was Dominaria when they started doing that. But that means that you can prevent the damage. Yeah. You can give yourself protection from black and prevent it that way. You could also give the spell Lifelink. Yeah. <laughs> One or two ways to do that. <laughs> uh, so there's there's a couple interesting ways to, to cheat it so that it just becomes a uh, Rise of the Dark Realms, yeah. essentially, for six mana. Which is pretty
1: cool. Yeah. Because that card's bonkers expensive now Mm -hmm. oh yeah this is a card i think we're both excited about so the next card is deliver unto evil so this is two and a black so three mana for sorcery choose up to four target cards in your graveyard if you control a bolas planeswalker return those cards to your hand otherwise an opponent chooses two of them leave the chosen cards in the graveyard put the rest into your hand and then exile deliver unto evil
0: the ability to get back non-creature cards is pretty rare yeah And if your deck has a lot of redundancy, then you can sometimes make it so that your opponent doesn't really have a choice. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can also sometimes use politics to your advantage. I'm a really political player, and so if I had this card, I would try to find who, like, was in the worst position. Like, maybe they missed a bunch of land drops. Maybe everyone's been focusing them and be like, hey, you give me back this board wipe and this tutor and I will screw everyone else and, like, yeah. bring them back down to your level. Yeah. And, and those deals uh, work pretty well, usually. Yeah,
1: they work a lot. I, this card just, like, has so many similarities to cards that are so good. Like, Yag's Will is one mm-hmm. of them, like, obviously. But then, like, there's... Intuition. Intuition and Gifts Ungiven, mm-hmm. which is banned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think just using Gifts Ungiven as, like, a template for, like, how good this card can be is kind of a sign of how good it actually is yeah. and how easy it is to, like, get around the, like, oh, I only got two of them back. Because, cause honestly, and let's be let's be real here, you're not going to have a Bolus Planeswalker most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should evaluate this card based on that. So I think this card is just very good.
0: <laughs> but, hey, if you do have a Nickel Bullis the Ravager deck.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Congla- congrats. Um, so we have another finale. Do you want to read this guy off?
0: Yeah. Originally I kind of wrote it off, but then I, I thought about it some more and ended up liking it a little mm-hmm. bit more. Uh, it's finale of eternity. X black, black for sorcery destroy up to three target creatures with toughness X or less. If X is 10 or more, Return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Funny that we're seeing a bunch two... of Master, yeah, master Animation yeah. spells in the same set. That's normally something you'd see only every couple of years. I know. it's Yeah, it's, it's crazy. This card seems really, really good at mopping up small utility creatures. Mm-hmm. You can spend like four mana and kill like some combination of Oracle, Moldaya, Fauna Shaman, Timna, Edric, Mentor the Meek. There's a bunch of creatures in this format that are super cheap and just draw you a bunch of cards. And this is really good at answering them.
1: Yeah, I've just been kind of like keeping track of what the average like size of creatures are nowadays. Mm-hmm. Just like looking at boards and it's a lot smaller than it used to be mm-hmm. it's like it used to be like an indrick stop power was like a four four that blows up an artifact or enchantment when it enters was like the norm like mm-hmm. you'd see just four fours and now it's like one ones one twos two twos are like that's most of the board nowadays
0: yeah. the easiest point of comparison is black sun zenith black sun sees play in over fifteen thousand decks <laughs> on eda uh which i was not expecting but Black Suns will like cost you the same amount of mana to kill the same creatures. The only difference is really like whether you're killing the other creatures on the board. So yours, but also maybe like collateral damage on other creatures your opponents might have. Seems to me it's kind of like comparable power level. Sometimes you're going to want to hit those other creatures, sometimes you really want to not mess with your own board. But, like, if you're running one, it's reasonable to run the other.
1: Yeah, and kind of like we said, like, black decks are a lot more likely to get to that 12-mana threshold also. Because you got your Crypt Gas, your Nurkana Revenant, your Urborg Coffers. You got a lot more ways to just generate a ton of mana. So this one actually isn't as much of a pipe dream as... The other ones in a black deck, you can't count on this reliably being mm-hmm. a mass reanimation effect than the other finales.
0: Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> speaking of X spells,
1: <laughs> so this is a finale of Devastation. It is X green green for a sorcery. This guy search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less, and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is ten or more, creatures you control get plus X, plus X, and gain haste until end of turn. This is like like an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so I think you can tell how we feel about
0: this. We I don't think we needed more cards like this. Before this came along, there were like seven cards that basically accomplished the same thing. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. The two closest analogs are Green Sun Zenith and Court of Calling. Green Sun Zenith is a little bit different. It's a sorcery and it only searches out green creatures, but you search them from your library, you put them on the battlefield, you shuffle Green Suns back into your library. Court of Calling is X green, green, green with Convoke and then search your library for a creature card. With converted mana cost X, put on a battlefield, shuffle your library.
1: Yeah, and it's an instant.
0: And it's an instant. They're both very, very similar to this card, and they both see play in more than 15,000 decks on EDH Rec. Yeah. Like they are solidly green staples. Like you just put them into your green decks. Yeah. And then in addition to that, there's like another five or six cards that can tutor you out whatever you need very cheaply and what's like the gameplay style like what are you using these cards for in a game of magic you like tutor out your
1: win condition Mm -hmm. with this tooth and nail or finale of devastation or green sun zenith (laughs) (laughs) so you just go hey crater hoof is here now and that's it. And I just want to list off some of the cards that do this because, like, now we have Tooth and Nail, Green Sun, Zenith, Court of Calling, we have Survival of the Fittest that tutors for creatures, we have uh, now Finale of Devastation, Worldly Tutor does this, Natural Order does this, Fauna Shaman does this. These are all cards that are like heavily played, like, green staples mm-hmm. in Commander. And they all do pretty much the same things. They get you the creature you want.
0: Yeah. So like if you like really need a silver bullet, they all do that. They can all get you like a Bane of Progress. Like I really need to deal with that Enchantress player right now. But really like when you are ready to win the game, when you have hit the threshold of like, hmm, I've got three tokens and a Mana Dork and a Reclamation Sage on the battlefield. I think it might be hoof time. It's hoof time. And all of them just give you that ability. So now there's like these eight tutors plus hoof himself. So, like, in a given game, if you just punch those numbers into the hypergeometric calculator, you'll see that in the given game of Magic, you are pretty likely to draw one of these answers and get hoof every game you need it.
1: Yeah, or literally anything you need every time you need it. Like, green is now at the same level black is with tutors, I feel, where you just like, yeah, I got you, bro. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here it is. This is what you, you needed this. I got you.
0: Yeah. And it's like, okay (laughs) the rules of the format were designed so as to improve variance and make it so every game was different Mm -hmm. like to have this critical mass of tutors Uh, it kind of makes the game get more boring more quickly variance
1: is a feature not a bug so, like, all of these cards that do this, every time I see one, it's just the same, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. But I do actually like the next card we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. even though I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. So, this is Plain Wide Celebration. And uh, me and Nick were talking about, before we started recording, how sad it was. Like, they saved this one last card for the the Friday, the final day of spoilers, and it had been leaked, like, a week earlier. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. It would yeah. have been such, like, a nice little, like... Like cherry on top yeah, of Spoiler Season. Yeah, like a season. bow tying around. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but um, Plain White Celebration is a seven mana sorcery, five green green. It says, choose four. You may choose the same mode more than once. Create a 2-2 citizen creature token that's all colors. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Proliferate. Or gain for life.
0: This is a very cool card. Yeah. The first thing it makes me want to ask is, when are we going to see the other four members of the celebration cycle? <laughs> <laughs> um, One
1: day, it'll be like a mega cycle, like the lands from like oh yeah, or, or like the is Black uh, or the
0: morphlings. Yeah, the morphlings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's really cool that they brought back the citizen creature type. It mm-hmm. fits Ravnica so perfectly. So it makes well. more sense here than anywhere else. Where where do you think this would fit into the format?
1: Yeah, so this is a slightly more expensive but slightly cheaper monetarily Deep Glow Skate uh, for decks that run green. So, like, Atraxa, Azuri, Voril, Pirantuthi, uh, all the green-blue-based counter decks, just because, like, seven mana proliferate four times. That's probably worth it. When you have like a decently sized board, and especially in something like Azuri, like 2.0, where you have the experience counters and the counters on the board, that deck in particular can really abuse something like this. Atraxa, obviously, can totally abuse this. It's so variable and it does so many things that I, I feel like I'm going to find decks in the future where I'm like, oh yeah, Plain White celebrations pretty good here. Mm-hmm. Just over time. And I do want to note that this card is nuts with Knight of New Alara. Whoa, Whoa. that's you get four boys and they're seven sevens. Crazy,
0: powerful, power creep. Speaking of power creep, oh yeah, power creep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Next card is not quite as splashy, but definitely, definitely power creep.
0: It's a Return to Nature. This is one in green for an instant. Choose one, destroy target artifact, destroy target enchantment. Or exile target card from a graveyard. Whoa. Watch out, naturalize. Yeah. There's actually 7,500 decks on EDH rec that run naturalize. And this is just a strict upgrade. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not like a big bonus, there's going to be games where it does matter. Yeah. And so that's an easy swap for any deck.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, like the turn to reanimate something in a graveyard, you're like, No, now you don't lose to, like, a Sire of Insanity turn two (laughs) or something really heinous that'll make the game terrible. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, We got a lot of green spells this set, so we're going to talk about one more. So this is Storm the Citadel, five mana green sorcery, four and a green, until end of turn, creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls, If that seemed like a random string of words, it kind of is. It's the, yeah, the Immortal Sun effect that we kind of worked out before. I like that name for
0: it. But do you want to kind of get into it a little bit? Sure. Yeah. When we talk about the Immortal Sun effect, we basically just mean a card where it's a bunch of smaller effects added together. And like, yeah, if you like sort of count up the value for each of those effects, it matches its mana cost. That's about what I would expect to pay. Or maybe even a little bit less. But the problem is, like, if it doesn't do any of those things particularly well or none of those effects want to be in the same deck, like, if they're just not useful in that hole, if they don't really have synergy with each other, like, that's an Immortal Sun problem. Because, like, with this card, it does two things. One is it pumps your team and it destroys artifacts and enchantments. But, like, plus two, plus two isn't a really big boost for a one-shot... Power pumping effect, and it doesn't give you any sort of evasion, so you can still just get chump blocked. And Alpha Strike did nothing. It also requires you to hit them in order to destroy an artifact or enchantment they control. Like you don't want your removal to be contingent on that kind of stuff. It only happens like during the combat step when I have guys that can get through. (laughs) Like if somebody else has a Bolus's Citadel on the board or a Paradox Engine, you need to get that thing out of there right now.
1: And also, something else I want to just note about this card is, like, usually spot removal is good enough, and if spot removal isn't good enough, you use the Bane of Progress if you're in green. Like, you use uh, Reclamation Sage if you need to hit the problem permanent, like, you use the Naturalize. Like, this just seems like it just fits in such a weird spot mm-hmm. and forcing you to jump through the hoop of casting the card and then hit a player, and then you might not even be getting the full value because you hit someone and they had, like, a soul Ring mm-hmm. or...
0: What are some of the cards you would run over this?
1: Yeah, that's a good, that is a very good point. So I think if you are running it for the destruction effect, I mean, Bane of Progress, just, we keep saying that this episode, but is a hundred percent just more relevant and better. Um, I think, I think, I, yeah, I think I named a few of them. So Reclamation Sage is cheaper. It's a body. It floats around, It uh, blows something up. I think if you want overrun effects, you're just better off with Crater of Behemoth or literally most other overrun effects. Uh, the overwhelming stampede, like pretty much anything, but this mm-hmm. <laughs> is much better.
0: And also, like because Green has that critical mass of tutors that we talked about with Finale of Devastation, like you run like the best effect, the Bane of Progress, or the Crater of, and mm-hmm. then you run the ten tutors. To find them, yeah. so really you have like 10 Bane in Progresses. You have 10 Crater Hoofs. And if that's the case, then you do not need to run Storm the Citadel because you have so many copies of the best version of this effect.
1: Yeah, so very, very strange card. This next card is not so
0: strange, but I think we both feel the same way about it. This is Casualties of War. Yeah, it's two black, black, green, green for a sorcery. Choose one or more. Destroy target artifact, destroy target creature, destroy target enchantment, Destroy target land and destroy target planeswalker.
1: So I have played a lot of decimates and decimate is good. Like you play decimate and you're like, oh yeah, you like finger gun, like, like blow off the Mm -hmm. finger gun and, and feel pretty cool about yourself. But this, uh, just because it's six mana, like it blows up, uh, maybe five things, if you're lucky, if mm-hmm. all those five things are there, and most of them will be there. Like, even if this is just six mana blow up four things, that's your value. But there are just so many cards that do this better. Mm-hmm. Like, I would run Pernicious Deed over Casualties of War, like, pretty much any day, all mm-hmm. the time. Like, there was even a card just within this last year, like, Wind Grace's Judgment, that probably is still better mm-hmm. than this. And I don't even run Wind Grace's Judgment yeah, that often.
0: Like, Wind Grace's Judgment, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's uh, instant, it's three black green. For any number of opponents, destroy target non-land permanent that player controls. So it'll hit fewer cards total in like a four-player game, but its instant speed can hit multiple of the same permanents if you just want to clear out a bunch of commanders. Yeah. Because like not all of these modes on Casualties of War are equivalent. Unless there's something really heinous on the battlefield, sometimes it's just a bunch of non-basic lands. whatever. Yeah,
1: sometimes you hit their like dual land and you're like, okay. So I think something to note about this card is that this card will be better in metas where you have someone, the John who gets real salty. Mm-hmm. And uh this makes it so like, no no no, yeah, I blew up your enchantment, but look, I didn't blow up your permanence, I blew up their land and their creature like I think that in that environment, mm-hmm. casualties of war is okay. And and that's the thing is I think this card is good. I, I like if I saw someone playing this card I wouldn't be like, oh, get that
0: out of your deck right now. Like, mm-hmm. I think this
1: is good. I just don't think it's...
0: It's not the best.
1: Yeah, it's not the best. I think we have better options, in, especially black-green.
0: All right, the next card is D-Spark. It is white-black for an instant. Exile target permanent with converted mana cost four or greater. This would have been a lot better seven, eight years ago. Like, when we started playing Commander, the average CMC was a lot higher. Yeah, that's really true. (laughs) Yeah, And, and in recent years, it has crept down. But, like, while it won't, like, kill your mana accelerators or, like, your cheap utility creatures... It is pretty good at killing like the biggest threats in the format. Things like the gods, Praetors, Titans, Paradox Engine, the the cards you're most worried about, it will hit them.
1: And something also to say about this is that like I've been incredibly impressed with Disdainful Stroke mm-hmm. in Commander. It's a one in a blue instant counter target spell with CMC4 or greater. That card does work for me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that D Spark is basically the removal spell to counter spell like aspect of that card yeah. i think is means that this card is gonna be just as good like it's gonna do a lot of work for you
0: i wouldn't run it over Anguish and making yeah but i would definitely consider running it ad- in addition to it
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: all right speaking of blowing up permanence yeah <laughs> are you ready
1: for the blast zone so yeah this is a land it's called Blast Zone. It enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it, taps for one colorless, and it has XX tap, put X charge counters on Blast Zone. So you pay two times X. Like if you want X to be two, you pay four mana, blah, blah, blah all that stuff. And then three tap, sacrifice Blast Zone, destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Blast Zone. I think the closest comparisons... I would make are like powder keg and uh, what Uh, ratchet bomb ratchet bomb where like you they're artifacts you can tick them up over time put charge counters on them and then you can sack them to blow up permanence with that many charge counters on them. That's very similar to this card being a land and being that it enters with a counter on it already kind of has a little bit more
0: niche uses. I think I like it in Lord Windgrace lord Windgrace has a ton of mana to pump into it lord Windgrace is also really slow so it can like take the time to well this turn i'm gonna put a bunch of charge counters on it and then next turn i'll pop it and then play it from my graveyard it just just like takes a couple turns to to do what you want to do with it lord Windgrace can also recur it really easily like just through his activated ability and because he's running rabinap excavator and life from the loam and crucible and all these cards so I like it in that deck. like it less in decks that don't meet all three of those criteria. If you can't recur it that easily and you aren't a slow deck and you don't have a ton of mana lying around, then I'm less interested in running it. But like maybe a Krufix maybe a deck that can easily afford to pump a bunch of mana into it. Other than that, less sure where it would be good.
1: Yeah, I think that like the fact that it's a land though means that there are a decent amount of decks, especially monocolor decks, that can throw it in mm-hmm. without really losing too much. Like, yeah, it's not going to be as good as in other decks like Lord One Grace, but, like, you don't lose too much putting it into a deck where you weren't going to be doing that much with your mana base. Yeah. Like, utility lands are just utility lands. So, like, you'll kind of be, like, struggling with it, like, fighting with it the whole time to kind of get it to do what you want. But, like, it gives you an answer when you might not have had one, and that's valuable and especially like mono white mono red mm. like colors that struggle with that kind of stuff
0: yeah i mean it certainly does like blow up mana dorks and mm-hmm. soul rings really well
1: oh yeah like super easy yeah so.
0: man i, I kind of wish it ended the battlefield with no charge counters on it it'd be so nice if you could just pop it to hit like token armies really easily yeah <laughs> but maybe that's maybe that's oppressive maybe that's not <laughs> what they want people to be doing
1: yeah i think that They were worried that would be too good. Mm -hmm. I think that it probably would be pretty
0: good. (laughs) 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 Kind of agree with them. All right. That is the end of our set review. Yeah. Uh,
1: Congrats. We all made it through this journey together, (laughs) everyone.
0: This is the part where we kind of like wrap up, talk about our overall impressions of the set. And then we've got a couple listener questions for you all. My overall thoughts about the set. It seemed like there were more hits than average maybe that's just because like we talked about so many planeswalkers like we like to address the planeswalkers in our set reviews but it seemed like there was just a lot of material our uh show notes for these episodes totaled like 67 pages yeah (laughs) talking about magic cards that's a lot (laughs) yeah it's really interesting that they're experimenting so much with planeswalkers not only in terms of like having static effects experimenting with a number of loyalty abilities, the yeah. rarity at which they appear. But I liked that so many of them were unique and like really narrowly focused on one mechanical identity, Yeah, which is just a lot cooler than Planeswalkers that are some variant of plus one, draw a card, minus three, destroy target creature for like five mana. Yeah, We get those all the time and they're kind of boring.
1: Yeah, they're boring. They're not good in Commander. This was really cool to see them branch out and... I'm just crossing my fingers that this is the norm now that we will see planeswalkers at rare that we will see planeswalkers with static abilities or maybe just two abilities or we will see like more variation on planeswalkers from now on.
0: I definitely like to see more lower rarity planeswalkers. Yeah, (laughs) really? Yeah. Just because like. It kind of stinks how every time a set comes across with like a, a Planeswalker that you might want to play in Commander or Cube or some other format, it's like automatically $25. Yeah. Like with these rare ones, like some of the the Planeswalkers that we liked most out of this set, like say Ugin the Ineffable, he's rare and I wouldn't be surprised if he was like $10 or less. Yeah, whereas... he's
1: pre-sailing for 6 bucks or something yeah, like that at that time great. of recording, so... Yeah, that's it's it's awesome. So I 100% agree with that. Like just the fact that we're seeing these planeswalkers, which are cards that people like. Like hmm. people like Planeswalkers. Well, I I like planeswalkers. Like they just kind of change the way the game runs once you cast them, and the fact you can pick them up for not that much money is is awesome. That's great.
0: I also like that they brought back proliferate That's yeah, and a they long did it. Time coming.
1: Yeah, and they did it well yeah (laughs) there's a bunch it wasn't like proliferate for like four mana on a counterspell or something like that Mm -hmm. it was like here's a landfall proliferate card
0: yeah I, i think that because they have play design now they can get closer to the edge and push it a lot more aggressively than it was the The first time around in Scars Block. And also like in Scars Block, proliferate could be the thing that killed you with poison and there's no danger of that now. Mm-hmm. Like now proliferate is just like, I'm turning my dice to like the next number in the sequence yeah. as opposed to, and now you're 90% dead. Yeah. <laughs> we got a couple questions from our listeners. First question is, what are your guys' favorite cards that are not commanders mm-hmm. in the set? For me, I, I'm not interpreting this as, like, power level, although there is going to be a lot of power on It's I'd say, yeah. like, most impactful is kind of what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Number one most impactful card, I would say, is Bolus's Citadel because it offers so much power. It's It's not, like on the same level as Paradox Engine, but you can talk about them in the same sentence.
1: Yeah, they would be, if we were talking about Pokemon to all the big Pokemon nerds out there, they would both be Ubers. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be in the same, like, tier.
0: Yeah. So, so like, Bolas' Citadel, like, A, it synergizes with good cards. Cantrips and top-of-library tutors are really what your deck needs in order to effectively utilize Bolas' Citadel, and those are not bad cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. And... It can fuel a game plan all by itself. It's the kind of card where once it's in play, the game is entirely about that. Unless it's answered immediately, you can probably win from there. It seems like it can spawn entirely new archetypes like the Circu-Citadel the combo. Yeah, It can make commanders just work entirely based around the power of Bolas' Citadel. There was a lot of powerful proliferators in this set, and I was super happy about that. So fully... Three of my top five are proliferate cards. (laughs) We've got Evolution Sage, which is three cost three, two in green. Landfall proliferate. Flux Channeler, which is three cost two, two, I believe. Human Wizard in blue. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell proliferate. And then Contentious Plan, one in a blue sorcery proliferate draw card. So all of these are just great ways to proliferate. And they kind of make the initial proliferate cards yeah really underwhelming yeah
1: they really really do they're so cool so I actually like specifically didn't pick these cards because I saw that you'd pick these cards mm-hmm. and I would have just <laughs> a <lot of> the <laughs> same ones I like love evolution sage so much uh-huh. and I love like <laughs> Flex channel so much and just proliferation in general this time around they like really did it right they just really hit the nail on the head with the proliferate and like the power level and where it needs to be and where it needs to be for
0: like other formats and it's, it's awesome And proliferate is like an incredibly popular theme. Like the most popular commander of all time is Atraxa, Praetor's Voice. It's a proliferate deck. It's so popular that the next most popular commander of all time is almost 2,000 fewer decks than it. People really like to proliferate. Like Mark Roswell talks about how if people are doing something, even when it sucks, even when it's really bad, they must really, really love it. Yeah, And that's (laughs) kind of how it is with proliferate. Like So many of these proliferate cards were just very not good inexorable tide is like so slow like five mana do nothing enchantment and there's just like those five costs things like spread the sickness so so many cards that just like didn't do anything weren't good enough in commander but people played them anyway because gosh i just want to turn my dice up yeah um and now we have all these like powerful engines to do it and contentious plan which is like doesn't really cost you anything it kind of just makes your deck size one less and ticks up all your counters the last card i want to mention in terms of my favorite cards from the set although in this case favorite it might be in quotation marks <laughs> uh it's finale of devastation i know it's going to be probably the most popular card in the set it does the exact same thing as cards that have like 15 20 000 decks on edh rec it's a pretty safe bet to say it's going to be played a lot mm-hmm. I'm not super happy that it exists, but I I, I can guarantee it's going to have an impact.
1: Yeah, 100%. I picked cards in contrast to Nick that are much more lower powered, probably more niche. But I knew that Nick was picking these cards because he put his in first. (laughs) So, and I didn't want to double up and I kind of wanted to give you guys a little bit more. So, I mean, my first, I think it's not only like format staple, but just card I love in the set is Ugin the ineffable. We talked about it today. That guy does everything. He's great. I'll be able to pick him up cheap. I'm going to buy more than I should just because one day they're not going to be $6. (laughs) I've been making a lot of monocolor lists lately, and I just think he makes them work so much better than they do already. I put in Sahili Sublime Artificer. Most of my list is very selfish. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) We've talked about Sahili when she was spoiled, and I'm one of those players that loves the young pyromancer, like get a token when you cast a spell builds and mm-hmm. this card just does that it fits right in it gives you the bunch of added utility just with that minus which a lot of these planeswalkers didn't do mm-hmm. a lot of the ones that like had a good static didn't really do anything with their minus or vice versa so that was really cool and that's su- super cool you watsy for that uh mayhem devil if you remember that guy so it's a three mana three three one black red Uh, Whenever a player sacks a permanent, Mayhem Devil deals one damage to any target. (laughs) 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 Aristocrats are like sack a bunch of stuff decks. I love it so much. So that was super cool. I think people are going to see Mayhem Devil a lot. Mm -hmm. Just like I think there's a lot of decks that do this. And Mayhem Devil is just going to be something we start seeing from now on.
0: People really love Acrystic Bratz decks. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And then Deliver onto Evil. uh, I talked about it just a little bit ago, but it might not see as much play as like the finales are going to, but it packs so much power into this really innocuous, really, really well illustrated piece of cardboard. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that I would say is impactful, but also favorite card in the set. And then Karn's Bastion, because I wanted to pick the other proliferate card I liked that you didn't touch on. (laughs) Make sure I got something in there. I think that the fact that this card promotes proliferation strategies without putting it into, like five color planeswalkers or four color planeswalkers is super red. The fact that you get this utility land for decks that require less intense mana bases is super cool. That's my
0: five. Another question we got is uh favorite commanders.
1: Me and Nick have a lot of the same ones. We both really like feather. They're redeemed. It's a three, four flying angel for red, white, white. So three mana. Whenever you cast an incident or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that spell until instead of putting it into a graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So Feather just does something Boros commanders haven't done, which is like give you card advantage and not just turn sideways. Mm -hmm. Like, just not be a deck that all you do is turn sideways. And I'm so excited to play this
0: deck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was really fun to brew this deck. It's just so different. Not only from every other red white list, but just every other commander deck. There's nothing else that incentivizes playing with this subset of cards. Mm-hmm. It's very fun, very unique, and I, I can't wait to give it a try.
1: Yeah, and the only one where my list would diverge from uh, Nick's I'm going to bring up is Tulsimir, friend of wolves. There's not really much to say about this guy. He's a 3 3 for 5. Uh, when he enters, you get a Voha wolf, and whenever a wolf enters, you gain 3 life, and a wolf fights a creature you don't control. I think this just is an archetype that didn't really exist now. Like, I've seen decks play a lot of cards that make wolves, and now you actually have, like, a home where not only do you want to play them, they're just good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they're just good. So I I really like that this guy exists now, too. And that's really where we diverged, I think, the other... Commanders you had, I pretty much agree with
0: as well. So there's Larg the Razebore. Uh we talked about mm-hmm, him when he mm-hmm. was first spoiled, but I think he's interesting take on like the the Kalia model. Bouncing it back to your hand makes it a lot more fun and fair, having fewer colors.
1: Forces you to stretch a little bit more.
0: Exactly. So it's a, a cool deck that synergizes well with like huge fatties and also land destruction, I will admit. <laughs> but it seems like a very fun list. Another mono red commander that came out of this set that I mm-hmm, thought was mm-hmm, awesome mm-hmm. was Neheb, Dreadhorde Champion. Oh, heck yeah. Great way to generate a ton of mana and incredible card filtering. I don't think any other red commander offers this much card selection because yeah. you can really just churn through your deck. I really love looting and rummaging in commander. Like I play Varina and, and get to really enjoy... The fact that it's okay if I'm running these situational cards or if I'm running these cards yeah. that are only good at a certain point in the game. Because I have this automatic uh, mechanism for exchanging them for cards that are going to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, live cards at yeah. the time. So you can run things in Neheb that are really terrible top decks and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention Storev, Devkarin Lich. For those of you... aren't familiar with it
1: Uh, one black black green whenever store of dev karen lich deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker return to your hand target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat so i mean it requires a little bit more planning but tons of value and just recurring planeswalkers like that hasn't just hasn't been done
0: so it builds into a very unique style of super friends deck and then the last commander i want to talk about is god eternal kefnet
1: Four mana, four, five flyer. You may reveal the first card you draw each turn. As you draw it, whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card and you may cast the copy. The copy costs two less to cast. Lots of C words in there. And then when uh, uh you die as or exiles, you three from the top thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: So this is a very powerful commander. It synergizes really well with extra turn effects. You can combo off with him if you have ways to repeatedly stack the top of your deck with like a a Jace or a scroll rack. It's just not the best, but one of the best commanders for extra turn effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super cool. It's like the most interesting of the
1: God Eternal designs. Are there any other commanders you want to mention? Can I do an honorable mention? Yeah. If we were able to play Planeswalkers as commanders, I would really want to make a Soren Vengeful Bloodlord list. I have a Ravos and Timna Black-White, like, weenies deck, where you just recur Kami of False Hope, which is, like, a one-one-for-one, sack it, like, Fog, and abuses Children of Corliss. So, like, sack Children of Corliss gain the life you lost this turn, like, stuff like that. This guy would be just the commander for that deck. Ravos and Timna are very good, because they help you, like, you get your boys back with Ravos. Like, Timna draws you more cards, so you get more things. Like, that's very good. But this guy would just be super fun to play because it's just one commander. He gets you a little bit of value. He recurs your guys just, like, right there immediately. You're like, boom, there's my back. Mm-hmm. It'll be super fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, I also uh, like him a lot. Last time uh, we mentioned that once the full set was spoiled, we were going to spend some time talking about how each of those planeswalkers would build into a deck. And it ended up being so much content that it's going to have to be another episode. Yep. But you all can look forward to that. It's going to be really cool. We've got some great ideas for how to build around something. Yeah,
1: some commander. of them surprised us, actually. <laughs> yeah,
0: some of them I was like so willing to write them off. And then I'm like oh, but wait, this card exists. That changes everything.
1: Yeah, more than one of them were like that, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think there's uh, some really sweet deck lists. So maybe if your play group is willing to to bend the rules a little bit in honor of the defeat of Nicol Bolas (laughs) and the liberation of Ravnica, then you might get some interesting deck ideas out of this upcoming podcast. So stay tuned for that.
1: And I think that does it for today. Do you want to do any
0: any thanks before we get going? Of course. Wouldn't be an episode of the podcast if I didn't thank our Patreon patrons. So thank you to Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, and Elvis. You all keep the lights on here at the Commander Theory Studio. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We'll talk to you guys next time. Goodbye thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time